0: to have some good friends of the show with us for our coffee break in the studio this week. We have Shirley Flynn, who knows a thing or two about beauty. James (laughs) Lawler of Narrative 4. And Dan Mooney, who knows a bit about a lot of things, to be fair. (laughs) Including commentary here on Rugby on Live 95. And you're all very welcome. So the late, late show rumor mill is in overdrive. This, This has been fascinating, Dan, hasn't it? It now looks like... If, if you're to believe the bookies, and they often get these things right, that Patrick Keelty is a lock for this job.
1: Uh, bookmakers don't lose money on these things, yeah. um, so if they've got that, there's, there's inside information going. On. I think he's a good choice, though. I think he's got the, he's got a kind of a lightness to his personality, but also if you've seen him talking about things like uh, mental health and about his uh, youth and growing up in Northern Ireland, he can, he has that serious gravity when he needs to, and I think that's a nice balance because. Heretofore we've had kind of a fifty fifty balance between the lightness and the journalistic style. I think he's a little more light, but can do the heavy stuff. And I think this is gonna be I think he's gonna be a great choice. Yeah. James?
2: I have a, a friend from Holland who moved here two years ago, and he was like, "What is wrong with Irish people? You sit in on a Friday night and you like watch sad stories after the news, which is sad stories as well." And he just thinks we're bonkers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I was it's, saying it's, last week. I remember um, um, an Italian woman saying to me one time she was at a sing song in Ireland, and it was one you know mournful song after another, and she said exactly the same thing. Why why are your songs so sad in Ireland? I said we've a lot
2: to be sad about. <laughs> well, I, I, I watch like I watch I, I watched a late late show, but I never even thought about it in that term. Like it's not an entertainment show, it's a political show, it is an entertainment show, it's you know, it's current affairs, it's the Thai show, it's it's a bit of everything. So it is a very difficult job I I guess to present. Like you just have, your personality would be able to be have to switch to all these different formats. Hmm. Yeah.
3: No, I, I think the same sorry.
2: No, you okay? Come a yeah. bit close to the mic there for me. Thanks. Okay.
3: No, I think the same. I think he's got a good personality to, to take over the show and possibly would be a little bit lighter than uh, Ryan Turbottie. So I, I just think it'll be, he'll be good. He'll I, entertain us.
0: Yeah, I heard somebody say that one of the thought processes that might be going on in RT is the internationalization of this show. Using a presenter that is has a very strong social media um himself part of you know let's be honest a power couple in international show business the the british connection you know they've worked in the states and clearly their contacts book alone will be helpful here and it's so much about the bits now isn't it it's about the social media moment for a lot of these talk shows as anything else
1: yeah you like, social media is Everything now, you like you're you're gaining audience. You're gaining as much audience from from doing a little viral clip on on TikTok as you might get from from people sitting in on a Friday night watching it. I mean, you're talking about hundreds, thousands, thousands, possibly millions of views if you've got the right content going up. So yeah, people who have who have the ability to do that and the ability to engage with that social media stuff is hugely important. If you've got a presenter who can't do that, you're you're snookering yourself.
2: Hmm. Were they afraid of women? No, I think I wouldn't. I, well, I'm not too sure what went on in the in the boardrooms of RT, but I think it kind of shows that there was no natural successor. That they're not really maybe nurturing talent in the way that they should be. When we had no, like you know, in previous times, it was there was a natural successor, Kinney to Gay Byrne, Ryan Tuberty to, to Kinney, but there was no, there was no one there. So I think they kind of showed themselves that maybe they haven't invested in talent in the last number of years, maybe or. You know, in young talent
1: and... Yes, I think is the answer to your question. Yeah, I do think they were afraid of women. And I think that it, it ties into what you're saying, James. They're like, they're not nurturing talent. They're not bringing people up. There are plenty of, of talented presenters in there. Where if you want to go, particularly in sport, if you want to get into sport, you know, Jackie Hurley's inside there, are doing a fantastic job. And started here. Started here. And like, there's fantastic women uh, doing things. But as James is saying, that the way isn't being cleared for them and the avenues aren't being cleared for them. And... So eventually they've had to go kind of outside of what we would have considered to be the normal shop for RTE. Yeah,
0: you see, there's kind of a view, isn't there, in in TV when it comes to chat shows, you know, they're they're not allowed to say this um, for obvious reasons, that people won't watch a woman presenting a show like that, which is crazy stuff, but there, there does seem to be some formula in people's heads at executive level that they won't admit that that is a factor.
3: Well, I suppose that the late late show has always had a man in it. So, even as a, as a woman, I'm, I'm saying to myself, I I don't know what I actually. It, well, I probably would watch a woman if she was interesting enough and everything else. And I'm sure there are plenty of women that would be interesting enough. But it's it's a very mixed show. So I I don't know. I think it's okay as it is.
2: And I think this was part of the problem or the issues that Claire Byrne had already stepped back from her TV duties because of. Was a hectic kind of uh, schedule with her full time radio show and young kids. So maybe she would have been the natural uh, inheritor of, of that being on, you know, Pacquini's slot and Gay Burns' slot. But uh, she had perhaps ruled herself out, as she said, you know.
0: Do you think that Patrick Keelty, I mean, he hasn't lived on the island for a long time, he's back and forth a lot. Um, I remember Darrow O'Brien saying that he stopped doing television in Ireland because at a certain point he felt disconnected from Ireland, having lived in London for as long as he had. So he stopped doing shows like The Panel because he just didn't, he didn't feel connected. So there's some suggestion. I think Kat Dealy said something about them moving and living in Ireland. But do you think that Patrick Keatty gets what he's getting himself into here? Because one of the things that Ryan Tubridy has had to deal with, to be honest with you, is unrelenting criticism. More than any late, late show presenter that came before him because of the advent of social media. He's lived through the social media age as the most high profile individual in the country in truth. And probably the most recognisable person we have. Yeah, I,
1: I think that's part of the reason Patrick's on to a winner. Um, because Ryan was was so criticised so heavily, I don't think that, that Patrick Kielty is going to have to do an awful lot uh, different in order to be considered different enough to be to, for it to be a positive thing. I think this he goes into this in and at an advantage because at times Ryan was w- would have been criticised for how um, out of newsy uh, how current affairs he was when people wanted something a little bit lighter. Patrick he goes in, brings a little bit of lightness to it, and and he's onto a winner from. From the word go, but as for disconnected, like the, there's a kind of an impression that the, the that a lot of the media types in Ireland are all connected as one kind of their own little estate and, uh, bringing in someone who's, who, who feels like an outsider to that is probably a good thing.
0: Yeah. But okay, so he's gonna, uh, you know, what's Tarbity on it's somewhere between five and six hundred K a year. It's come, it's come down and that's for the radio show and the TV show. He's gonna keep doing the radio show. So are they gonna pay, um, the same level? Are they going to pay more? That will be publicly revealed, obviously, um, because that's the way it has to work, because it's a semi-state organisation. So we will know. And then will that become an issue for Keelty? Where he's living? Why is he living there? All that sort of stuff that came up relating to Tubbs. Is it going to come up for him too? And will he care either way?
2: I think it's it's an issue with RT. I think, in a small small country, a national broadcaster and maybe wages that have to be competitive with the international scale because, you know, talent can be poached. We've seen it with Katrina Perry this week moving to the BBC. Um, And how can you relate to your listenership or your your viewers when you are earning like 10 times what they earn? Um, And I think people, you know, like some of the most loved broadcasters, people like Joe Duffy, Brian Torberty, etc. earn... Vast, you know, great amounts of money, and they're speaking every day to to on issues that affect you know the price of bread or the price of milk, yeah. and it doesn't affect them. So sometimes there is a little bit of a disconnect there, and I think it's one of the issues with with the national broadcaster.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I, I have to, just to say, I love Patrick Kilty. I think he's a brilliant choice if the one if he's the one who comes across. He's been on this show. No, I
3: think he'll be fun and he'll entertain people. Yeah, yeah. And I think he'll bring his own, how will I say, his own spark to it. Yeah. Yeah, um,
0: Of course, what would be hilarious now is if halfway through the summer they announce somebody else. Wouldn't it be typical? <laughs> <laughs> Kat Dealy. It's, yeah. <laughs> <Yeah, exactly. laughs> it's going to
3: be Kat. He's going to be her social did media did he manager. Do,
0: or or the two of them together or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, we'll take a break and move on, So And the Eurovision. We have once again not qualified for the final. Happening in Liverpool via Ukraine. For obvious reasons. And James, I thought Liverpool is a big Irish city. This was going to happen. And we'd get to the final with wild youth who we've had in the studio. And to be fair, are very nice. They're not that wild at all, but they're a good band.
2: Apparently, uh, that, uh, there was a se- second semi-final last night where British viewers were allowed to vote. And they, they couldn't vote on Tuesday night. You get assigned one uh, night to vote. So that could have changed. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So,
0: so that, we didn't get the help we normally get from across the water.
2: No, no. Well, I suppose people are, are pretty disappointed, but I was I was thinking about this. Like I suppose if you I grew up in the nineties, I was born in the eighties, but I grew up in the nineties, and the Eurovision was the only thing we had. We had Sonia O'Sullivan winning track, <laughs> we had Italian ninety, we had Eurovision, including Riverdance, like winning in ninety. Some of my earliest memories, winning 92, ninety two, ninety three, ninety four. Yeah, and it was a big deal. It was a big deal. It was a big deal.
0: It was on Mill Street one year, not just over the border in Cork. Um, Noel C. Hogan, was that his name? Hmm. Um, I have that wrong. No, I don't do it. Anyway, he was big.
3: Would it bother you? I'd say, surely you'd be kind of going, sure, who cares? Oh, no, I've gone past it. I remember when Dana won, and that was a big, big occasion. And then I think Johnny Logan won after that. Yeah. And I think it was actually the cost of hosting it was a big commitment for Ireland to make at that point <laughs> in time.
0: But it was, but, but I remember Johnny Logan coming in here, sitting where you are now, in the last maybe eight or nine years on the breakfast show with Mark and Katrina, and like we were, we were in worship mode. Yes, y- you know, for a certain <laughs> generation, and like he's a very personable guy, and still has an amazing voice. He can still really, oh yeah, and he's still a, a pretty big figure on the entertainment circuit, mm. isn't he? So um,
1: it's, a, it's, a, it's a, there's a huge legacy from it, but right? for, for for people of a certain. Age the thing it does kind of transcend this bit, right because for people from a certain age we can all remember the successes from the the 80s and the and the 90s but uh, the show itself has become its own cultural icon for younger people yeah. and, and particularly for LGBT people it's a massive massive event every year there's parties being thrown viewing parties it's a it's a huge cultural event all on its own for a new generation and it's kind of sad that Ireland haven't been managed to be part of that emerging new <coughs> kind of thing it's becoming but uh, mm. yeah and John, Johnny Logan's still all-time great like ah, oh, he's still
2: it's he's, he's 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 amazing
0: We'd we'll probably watch the voting tomorrow night, won't we? All the same.
2: If I'm at home, I'd watch it. Yeah, yeah it's know. always interesting. It's always a bit of crack. Like,
1: I've been invited to two Eurovision parties. Have you in Limerick? Yeah. See, because
0: See, uh, this everyone loves Dan Mooney. Nobody, yeah. it,
1: it, it's it's still huge. Even just the point I me, mean, nobody wants me at a party. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: it's
1: it's that big.
3: Don't be so mean to yourself, Dan.
1: <laughs> but it's that big. It's still that big an institution. About that big an event, even without. Uh, Irish representation in it. Everyone still loves it, and it's, it's still huge culturally.
2: Yeah, I remember uh, meeting Brendan Graham on the streets of Limerick there a couple of years ago. I was in awe like that. I, he, uh, you know, he was the the guy that. Wrote "Rock and Roll Kids" and "The Voice," and also the, um, "You Raise Me Up," which wasn't a Eurovision song, but just uh, unbelievable talent. And yeah. Uh, I, yeah, it was just—I would see him walking down the street and, and meet and, and, him. Yeah. And
0: I thought Will Ferrell did a reasonable job on the movie that he did around the Eurovision when he was the Icelandic entry. Oh yes, that was funny. Now, I mean, Will Ferrell is funny anyway. Brilliant film, yeah. Yeah, it, and it—it—it—it it, it, it was. A bit of an homage, wasn't it? You know, he, he wasn't cynical about it. No, I think people are starting to recognise in in other territories,
1: like in the US, we've seen Australia join in on, on this because the Eurovision was big in Australia through a TV network that was down there. That's how they ended up getting involved. Um, and then you see Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdam making movies about it. I think that the cultural value of it internationally is starting to grow if, if it was small before it's becoming huge. I think we need to go back to the, the, the Eurostar type um, audition to. yeah. Like yeah, have, a, have, a, have a reality show or have a have a big event where list. we where we pick. Who yeah. like that?
0: Yeah. Um, how many of you watched the coronation of King Charles III at the weekend? Nope.
1: I, I was busy poking myself in the face with forks, so that was. <laughs> <it's> very, <laughs> I, had, I, had to, I had to sit down all afternoon and I, do I that. Watched, I watched the highlights. Yeah, I was yeah, uh, parts alive. of it. Yeah.
3: No, it was a big event for England, in fairness, and I accept that. And he's waited a long time to become king. Um, they made it very, I suppose, expensive, really. And I know that the country kind of was mixed on that because they, it cost so much to do all the lavished mm. things that they did oh, do. It was very expensive. Oh, no, it was very expensive.
0: Should they brought in police forces from all over the place. I know. Um, and it and seems like some of the policing was pretty heavy-handed, too. Yeah. Around, you know but Republican protesters Re- Republican in the in the sense of people who want the UK to become a republic yes. to be clear on what they were protesting
1: about <laughs> <most. laughs> no, there's a couple of different it. things that could have <laughs> yeah, been exactly, none of them were good
2: it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. but if you think about it like small islands that Britain is a okay, large population small island, and the whole and world the whole world's it. watching it yeah. and talking about it mm. but, but,
0: what, but I mean King Charles now and Queen Camilla, when when they were uh, Prince and Princess of whatever they were, um, they came to Ireland fairly regularly. And one of the things they said was that they would visit all 32 counties. Uh no, the 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 view is there's going to be a visit this summer. So how do we feel about Limerick being on that itinerary or not on that itinerary? Will we be equally angry either way, or will we go? Sure, shrug the shoulders. <laughs> I no. feel
3: like someone else should answer it because I'm only going to get cranky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's why I asked it. I <laughs> no, well, I think that if they come, they come. It's, you know, it's a big fuss in its own way, but it gets attention. Like, I mean, every channel covered, every news station through America, through everywhere, covered. Well, RTE
0: broadcasts. No, no, but it's the same. much, like, yeah.
3: I couldn't get anything on TV, literally. For a while that was on. While it was running. Every news yeah. channel that I looked at, CNN, all of the, the American channels, every one of them. Yeah.
2: I, think, I, I actually think state visits are important, and even our state visits, uh, President Higgins visited, I think, the UK in 2014, and Queen Elizabeth II came here in 2011, were really, really important, significant historical events for reconciliation. So, yeah, I would welcome it. I think we should. Yeah. Show the world that we can move past it and and find a way to and welcome for move for peace. Yeah, Yeah. if they they
1: close the street
2: in Limerick and I can't
1: get out of my house or walk downtown because the King of England is coming to Limerick, I will lose my mind. The King of England is coming to Limerick and I can't get, I can't walk down the street. Will you?
0: No, absolutely not. You see, I'm absolutely convinced that you definitely represent opinion in Limerick, but I'm also convinced that there is a royalist streak in Limerick. I am absolutely
3: convinced there is
0: a combination out there, the and maybe people, it's a hidden
3: one, largely. But no, the amount of people that told me that they were watching it, and they like they were they were watching for the style, they were watching just. I'm supposed to be nosy in one way, but not even... I, I don't mean it fully like that, but they just were curious about it.
0: OK, well, listen, before Dan Mooney's head explodes, <laughs> uh, we, we will draw the chat to an end, we thank you so much for coming. Really great to see the three of you, Dan Mooney, James Lawler and Shirley Flynn. Your views, your news, your limerick
2: today with Joe Nash on Live 95.